1: Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers, Pure Athlete yeah. i transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk f- man. I back it up. And we are a full of that, man. I'm right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets so. up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. The off-season rolls on with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? I am wonderful. Uh, a man who is always wonderful regardless of what he's doing because he's a renaissance man here on Longhorn Blitz. The renaissance man. At 104.9 The Horn Dare. I say you get him each and every weekday on the broadcast from 1 to 3. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semi for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree Whenever that ring comes in and it is on the way, he will wear it proudly. We'll make sure that he does. Nevertheless, he's a card-carrying member of DBU, number 21 in the program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod, I need to get with you and Ahmad Brooks because you guys have got to create like the DBU black card. Uh, or like an
2: actual membership card for yeah. the DBU. I think well, now they're doing like apparel, though. I think they have like DBU. Somebody's like doing hats. DBU hats out there. Yeah. I won't say probably. I don't know if Huff Dash behind it. I don't know who's behind it, but somebody on the Forty Acres. Of Whoever's doing the now.
1: DBU hats, can we get Rod a DBU hat, yeah. please? I'm gonna go
2: over there. I gotta go over there and grab me a DBU hat. But yeah, can I mean, please get there, Rod a DBU. They're over hat. There representing, and you know what? The stats back at El Texas, can actually claim DBU. But I always say that it's like a world championship heavyweight heavyweight title belt. It changes hands, all right? Every now and then, Ohio State will get it or, I don't know, Florida State will get it or, you know, LSU will get it or whatever. But Texas is one of those schools, no question.
1: If you give Rod a DBU hat, he will wear the hat because, Rod, Rod oh, you're, yeah. you're a hat man. I'm a hat man, dude. I love hats.
2: do People see me without a hat
1: and they look at me weird. They always give me a double take. I'm like, what? Why? why you not have, have a hat I saw Chad on? Hastings look at you weird the other day when you yeah. had a hat on. Yeah, I have hair.
2: I, You know, I'm not covering anything Chad's else. Chad's somebody you see every day. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I just wear my, wear my hats a lot.
1: Yeah, you're a hat man. Yes. Yeah, hey, like random it. question before we get going here on the show. And, and I'll tell you what, I've rarely been in love with my wife as much as I was when she made this comment. <laughs> we were watching the <laughs> NFC Championship game on Sunday, and I just—I don't know why it hit me, but I'm like, you know, how come coaches don't wear fedoras anymore? Like, You don't see coaches rocking the fedora. Yeah, they don't wear hats and anymore. And my wife, no, research, no computer in front of her, no research, said, didn't Tom Landry wear a fedora? Mm. That's how you know you
2: got the right one. More confirmation yes. that she is the right one. But if, you know. If, if carrying your child for nine months yes. wasn't enough.
1: <laughs> it's like the great, like Vince Lombardi or Fedora, Bear Bryant or Fedora. I agree. Tom well, why, listen,
2: those guys also, a lot of those guys wore suits too. Well, you yeah, know, I mean, like, the, the, here's so the suit thing. The though. last who's the last coach to wear a suit? I want to say it was like remember that coach uh, Mike coach Nolan, Nolan and Jack Nolan? Del Rio. For, yeah, both 49ers wore suits.
1: did it. Yeah, they, uh, but you know why they can't wear suits though? Why? It's a violation. It's a violation because of Nike's apparel agreement with the NFL. You've got to have you got to wear the uh, the team issued Nike gear.
2: Oh Nike! Oh My really? God. No. So Nike
1: make them a suit.
2: Nike, exactly. <laughs> like Nike can't make suits. Get get some of those those some of those worker bees to make some make a suit. it's that simple? Because I I don't think it was Nike.
1: I think it was Reebok at the time was the NFL's apparel dealer. And Mike Nolan was told, like, you know, hey, if you wear a suit, you're going to get a fine. (laughs) <laughs> and he was doing it as a tribute to his dad. He's like, "Well, you guys can find me. I don't really care." Yeah, why don't they just take the fine? The fine can't be that
2: significant. I mean, you're I a head coach; you're making millions of dollars. Yeah, I'd, I'd be lying wear a damn if I told suit. You, I you know what? I want to see more suits and more fedoras. They need to go to a, a haberdashery. Also, another word. We don't another, use enough. add that uh, to the resolutions uh, yeah. we're making here on nah. the
1: Blitz this year. We want more fedoras and more suits on the sideline. Yeah, high school coaches, if you're listening, Hank Carter down the road at Lake Travis. Just wear coach a hat. Dodge. Start off
2: with the hat. Fedora at least. suit, like a, like a nice hat. I don't I, know. Todd
1: Dodge Dodge and Hank Carter don't strike me as fedora guys. I
2: like when, that's why I love when like Bum uh, Bum Phillips would wear like the cowboy hat. Jerry Glanville? Remember old Jerry Glanville? The cowboy hat on the sideline, even with the the apparel that you got to wear, is clean. That's pimp. Um, So just do the cowboy hat on the sideline. I think think about it, you. Think about it. I think you would get more ref, I think you would get more calls. All right, if you were disputing with refs and arguing with refs with a cowboy hat on, than you would like there right now because they they demand more respect. A cowboy see, hat demands respect. Randy Certainly. Allen in
1: Highland Park wears a fedora. He does it as a tribute to Tom Landry. You know what? I, I'm with you. I think we should see more of it. Damn it! And so only certain Random coaches, rant, can but I, get I like the
0: away with the cowboy hat though, because like if say Bum's son Wade was wearing a cowboy hat on the sideline, he would just look goofy.
2: See, I'm one of those people that thinks everybody looks better in a cowboy hat. Like, I, I I, got one for Christmas. I think everybody looks good in a cowboy hat. I think that's what the beauty of a cowboy hat. If you put it on and you seriously, now if you're not trying to be goofy, if you seriously mm. wear it, yeah. you, everybody can pull off a cowboy hat. You can. Even Je- Jeff, you can pull off a cowboy hat right now. And people are like, Oh, yeah. Jeff looks, Jeff looks fucking, he's changed his whole look, man. He looks freaking pimp. I think you can do
1: it. You think I, think so? you
2: can, I think you can pull off. Yeah, I can pull off. Dude, if I can pull off a cowboy hat and look like an urban cowboy, you can do it too. Uh, White people have an advantage in that. Matt,
1: role. you bring up <laughs> Wade Phillips, who, by the way, has the best Twitter handle out there in the Twitterverse at Son of Bum. Yes. Oh, that's,
0: that's pretty good. Complacent yeah. teddy bear. Son of uh, bum.
1: But, Rod, we're talking about DBU, and it's worth bringing up. Yeah. We talked a lot about the secondary last week on the show, but uh, it's worth bringing up this week because at 24 7 Sports, we had our five star release on Tuesday. Uh, the rest of the top 247 uh, will come out on Wednesday, and the four stars will be released throughout the week. And everybody's rankings as uh, that process winds up. Uh, Texas, another five-star defensive back. Man, our guys at 24/7 Sports—they've been in love with Tyler Owens from Plano East. Uh, he uh, signed with Texas in the early period. Was at the uh, All-American Bowl down in San Antonio. Uh, apparently, you know Barton Simmons on our rankings team liked what they enough of what they saw him saw of him. I should say. That he's a five-star prospect, so Rod, you look at this Texas secondary, in 2019, Tyler Owens was a 24-7 sports five-star prospect, so was Jalen Green, so was DeMarvion Overshown. Uh B.J. Foster was a composite five-star, Caden Stearns was the number one prospect in the state of Texas. That's five guys that in some way, shape, or form within the last two wow. recruiting classes are five-star guys going to be in that secondary. I don't want to belabor the point because we did talk a lot about the secondary on last week's show, but... Rod, this just shows you crazy. a couple of things. One, Todd Orlando is really selling the fact that, hey, we can play five, six defensive backs at a time. So if mm-hmm. you're good, we'll find a place for you. And, Matt, we looked at havoc great numbers last mm-hmm. week, how close 2017 and 2018 were to each other. Rod, that's where this defense is getting built, man. It's getting built on the back end with just – physical fast dynamic athletes at all of those positions
2: yeah and I, I I love that I think Tyler Orlando understands that the DBs give you flexibility if you can find guys with very unique skill sets, uh, with a really high ceiling on the back end, DeMarvion Overshones, B.J. Fosters of the world. You really can mold those guys into playing different positions. Uh, you talked about it uh, at nauseum. I've brought it up several times, too. You know, watching the Chargers play that what they call their quarters package, and even the Patriots have a quarters package where they play seven DBs. You know, you can tell that teams are trying to match or at least counter uh, some of these spread concepts with speed or suffocate uh, offenses with speed. And Texas can do that as well as anybody. And even in that, you know, in the uh, the Sugar Bowl, Texas showed that, hey, man, in terms of speed, Texas can probably go toe-to-toe with most teams in the country, if not every team in the country, except for Alabama and Clemson, who are on different levels, period. So I agree. I think in the Big 12, that is the way the matchup is. It's interesting. The Big 12 is changing, too, though. The Big 12 is becoming more of a— balanced offensive league rather than the air raid spread offensive league that you know for years had the imprint of Mike Leach in that air raid offense now you're starting to see more balance with Matt Rule Tom Herman um, you know even Matt Campbell you're starting to see more balance offensively in the league but I still think there's a place for Texas to just really utilize and maximize all of that speed and versatility in the back end this is the reinvention of DBU say every Probably 15 years or so, DBU goes through a reinvention. Uh, The last reinvention was Coach Dwayne Aquina, and I was here for it, and I think that it occurred around 2000, 2001 Mm -hmm. is when it started happening there. Um, And it was an emphasis on versatility and multiplicity, guys who can play more than one position, and I think that'll be also a key to this next reinvention
0: of DBU and that's why I mean you talked about ever since the beginning Akina being the guy to you know identify just the value and having that versatility and in the modern game and we've seen it trickle up and you brought up the seven DBs that was being used by the Chargers and teams were I even heard people sort of criticizing them at the time against the Chiefs but then the very next week when you see the Patriots doing the same thing it's like no this is just because you need to have speed and skill out on the field in open space against some of these offenses and some sometimes just how you match up and for texas to be able to basically just load up for three classes now if you keep it going going back to jones almost yeah and look at what texas has at that spot in this conference it's so big in the havoc rate we talked about it last week but the exact numbers it was last year texas was second in the nation 9.7 percent of their havoc came from db's and then in 2018 when we were wondering you know losing all that talent a lot of freshmen come in what would it be it was 9.2 percent percent, which was still fifth in the nation this year. So, you got Texas staying in the top five despite a revolving door. You know, Holton Hill, no Deshaun Elliott, a lot of new faces, freshmen coming in, and still can get that type of production. So now, if they get to be within the same system, it's not only going to be good for them here at Texas and in the Big 12, but it seems as if, you know, just going to help streamline to get the next ones if they're going to be leaving school early to go and fit and play well in the league, and it's sort of a cycle the same Way that you saw this happen in 01, and it got you maybe the guys when we talk about that 08 and 09 defensive back class, where the defensive backs on those 08 and 09 teams that were just so deep with talent, and then you'd be able to do it again in this modern age would be huge in the Big 12.
2: Also, Tar Orlando, you know, this is one of the first times, really, with him as a, in his evolution as a DC where he is now recruited to his talent. This will be his third year right. with mm-hmm. this group. We haven't seen him recruit to his system, uh, recruit talent to his system specifically since, what, UConn? Because he's been yeah. basically two years and done every place he's been, Florida International, Utah State, same. and Houston. U of H. Texas so, has
0: been in the same boat, not being able to have mm-hmm. classes for multiple Great groups. point, too.
2: But see, now hey, it's a good point with all the, ro- uh, the mm-hmm. rotation of coaches there. But Todd Orlando now, you could argue, and you talk about the consistency with the rate over, you rate know, over the last two years with him, that we know how he wants to utilize his DBs, but he's never had a group this talented, mm-hmm. all right, to be able to, you know, bring to, uh, to, to his defensive scheme. And I think, you know, that's something to look at, too, in terms of like, giving this system a, you know, his Tartalendo system a ceiling. You could argue the best game we've seen Tartalendo called and game plan was versus Georgia. And he yep. did that without Caden Stern. So he actually may be starting to blossom, too. We're starting to see him blossom because he's never had access to this much talent. Yeah. And he's also evolving as a D.C., which we watched real time this year when he struggled versus, you know, Oklahoma State and West Virginia and Texas Tech. We watched him real time evolve that defense. And we, that's two years in a row that we've watched him adapt and adjust. And I couldn't be more in love with Todd Orlando because of that.
1: When you look at uh, let's look at the other side of the ball. Um, we talked again. We talked a lot about the secondary last week, and I think Rod that kind of puts a nice little bow on it. Um, you know, Tyler Owens did tell us when he was down in San Antonio for the All American Bowl. He said the, the two spots that uh, the staff has talked to him about are safety and Joker. And again, you talk go. about a kid. At Tyler, is, is, you talk about a kid in Tyler Owens, six 197 pounds, uh, ran a three five and 100 on the track last spring. Uh, you know, Demarvion Overshown at 225 or whatever he is now looked looked that big. When I saw him at bowl practices, we know what Caden Stearns and B.J. Foster can do. Um, It's more than just having defensive back talent. Like I said, it's just having guys with with size and length that you don't lose a lot in the run game when you can move these guys around and have them play multiple positions. So I think that ties the defensive conversation together. But, guys, moving over to the other side of the ball, it seems like every time we've gotten ready to talk about quarterbacks since we've been back, there's been kind of a lull in that process. There hasn't been a lot going on. But now – uh, and Rod, we were talking about this during a break on the Rodcast when I was with you this week on Monday. It's really weird how we're still talking about the Sugar Bowl and and we deserve to because we're still so far out from the spring ball and the Sugar Bowl is still relatively fresh. Uh, but the the guys on the forty, they got to move on. School starts school started this week. Yep. Winter conditioning starts on Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, they got to pick it up and move on. And Texas kind of released a little hype video of the team meeting yeah, on that. Sunday with Tom Herman saying, hey, what last year's team did was great, but that has no bearing on what this team does. Love and that message. It, 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 it's true, Rod, right? and, and, you know, I think that you've been a part of those teams yep. where, you know, take your junior year where you guys you have you play success. for the Big 12 championship, you fall short, you go beat Washington in the Holiday Bowl, you finish number 5, but then – it's so weird you don't have that much time to savor it cuz a couple weeks later you got to just reset the whole thing and get ready to go all over again.
2: Yeah, and then you lose some key guys, obviously some key, you know, leadership off of those teams and that's my concern this year. They they bring back a lot of talent. That's why Texas in my opinion probably should be the favorite to win the Big 12, but we'll see how everything works out. I think pre-season they're season
0: the, number 3 in most people's yeah, stuff.
2: Yeah, I think they're the best team in the Big 12, but they do lose lose a lot of key pieces on the offensive line. All right, they lose some key pieces on defense, most of that D-line. Most of that defense up front, actually, because they lose Gary Johnson. You're going to lose Wheeler. You mm-hmm. lose Hager. You lose Amenahu, uh, You're going to lose Chris Nelson. And I mean, and you That's lose both lot. of your corners, <laughs> right, Devontae Davis and also Chris Boyd. Mm-hmm. I mean, you lose a lot. You actually may lose more on this team than Texas lost last year, yeah. and they lost a ton last Maybe year, too. Maybe not as much
0: top-end talent, not, but quantity, just yeah. Just
2: quantity, yeah. But I, I will say this, they bounced back last year in the same way, also having their last game of the season when they had a a lot of talent that was out Mm -hmm. um, because they were either injured or they were skipping the bowl games. Carnell Williams and, you know, Houghton Hill and Deshaun Elliott and Malik Jefferson didn't play. And Texas played their best game of the season in that Texas Bowl versus Missouri. And same thing this year. They played their best game of the season, arguably, against Georgia, um, you know, in that Sugar Bowl. You can argue that. I mean, right. We can debate that. It's and In theory, it makes sense. And it, without it's what certain, you want.
0: Worst game, beginning of year. Best game, end of year. Two, two <laughs> years in a That's
2: been the case, it seems. <laughs> and I think Tom Harmon's been really, really good about kind of readjusting the focus of yep. the team and reasserting the, the culture of the team year to year. So now there's so much reason to buy in, though. Like, there's more reason to buy mm-hmm. in with this group, and this group, arguably, Jeff, has a higher ceiling talent wise than the group did last year. They're younger, inexperienced, but even at secondary is a primary example of the ceiling mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of positions. I think the buy-in will be easier for Tom Herman. Like that's not something he's got to pound into the the you know the consciousness of this team. It's like no no they're buying in. They know it works. Yeah. Whatever he's doing, it works. Right now we just got to go to work. Like we literally just got to go to work and get better. We know the coaching and development actually is on par too because we've seen that at several positions. So I don't know. I'm confident that even though they lose a lot, if they get down get down the work and they can try to establish the identity of the offense now post little Jordan Humphrey uh with the offensive line. I love what Herb Han is doing. I think Texas will come back and I don't know if they'll be you know, if you can say specifically they're gonna be better than they were last year, but I think they could win as many games, if not more. Yeah, Let's I wanna that.
1: table table the quarterback uh quarterback conversation for, for just a minute because I wanna talk about something that Really, and Rod, you and I talked about this, again, too, kind of off-air and when we just had you know random chats on the side. Uh, maybe the most under, underreported or under-talked-about mm-hmm. uh, aspect of this team coming back from last year, but Tom Herman said after that Sugar Bowl win, he felt like at some point that the 2018 team became a player-led team. Mm-hmm. And I think that tells you a couple of things. I think, number one, that the, the buy-in was there. You know, you don't become a player-led team without having buy-in by your by your best guys, and I okay. I think you know Sam Ellinger is a prime example of that. Rod, you you know this. You've been in the locker room when when arguably your best player is your hardest worker, or the guy that leaves the most of himself on the field. Uh, it's just really easy to get behind that. Mm-hmm. So from a leadership standpoint, as long as Sam Ellinger's still in that locker room, so I don't worry too much about uh, you know the leadership and the buy-in aspect. But when you talk about guys that understand Tom Herman's message, you know, the culture at this point is what it is. We talked about culture the last two off seasons. I don't think that's as big of a deal now because it kind of is what it is, and you know, I, I don't. I think I don't think if you're at this point, if you're not bought in, I don't think you're around the facility anymore. I think oh, they're,
2: they're tricked. They're on their way out anyway. Exactly. They're, yeah, they're out. Uh,
1: either you you are out or you're about to be out. Yeah. But you know, when you start just looking at the leadership aspect of this team, and I'm you know, mentioned Sam Ellinger, I mentioned what Tom Herman said. You look at a group of guys, even the guys that were there, you know, the year before Tom Herman got there. Guys are going to be your fourth year seniors, even your mm-hmm. fifth year seniors. Everybody on this roster now going into 2019 will have spent more time around Tom Herman than they spent around Charlie Strong. So whatever people want to say about the Charlie Strong influence around the program, good or bad, it's gone now. I don't think it exists anymore. This is... In 2019, this will be Tom Herman's team. Yeah. This is firmly Tom Herman's program now and going forward. I think you just look at the Sugar Bowl win as, okay, that it really kind of in earnest is where it starts, like the Tom Herman era. We're, we're done talking about, you know, kind of Charlie Strong, Tom Herman, and guys buying in and who's in the boat and, and what are you still doing or what does your personnel look like? No, I think from now on, I think now we're really going to see, okay, this is all Tom Herman from here on out.
2: Totally agree. I think you said Sam Ellinger is the, probably the biggest part of that. Uh, is that you know this the confirmation that it is a new culture and the Georgia win also more confirmation that hey it's a new football culture here uh, what you know this year I think one of the big you know they, there's a lot of challenges obviously still for this team I think one of the the challenges uh, for this young team will be and they showed it in the Georgia game you know just the ability to play as oh, what's the best way to say this play as Goliath. And you're not always mm-hmm. going to be David. Like, you're mm-hmm. not always going to be the underdog. And it's great. They were great as the underdog, by the way. Love it. And Tom Herman has proven as an underdog, he might be the most dangerous head coach in all of college football. But now you're going to be the favorite. And mm-hmm. probably the majority of the game. Hell, you might be the favorite in every damn game you play next yeah. year. I don't know how the LSU game's going to work out or Oklahoma. But, and I don't know, what's the last time Texas was favorite in every game they played? Was it 09? 09, yeah. I mean, 2000. Yeah, it can't be 2010 because at the, end of the year it can't be that. So yeah, 09 was probably the last game, last yeah, season you can think of like sure. that. That's when the expectations were really, really high for Texas, and they not only met those expectations, hell, you know, they damn near won it all. And for Tom Herman, that's the challenge. You are now Goliath. The target is on you. That underdog stuff is done. Now everybody understands that you have now uplifted the standard to where Texas should be. Where the 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 expectation expectation is, hey, win the Big Twelve. Win the Big 12 and put yourself in the conversation for the college football playoff. That should be automatic for Texas every year. But this is the first time in a long time that Tom Herman's made it that way. And, the- and Sam Miller and
0: the team. And I think that this leads straight into something we've talked about, how Texas has like the continuity for so long. And, I mean, you talk about just from the revolving door at offense. I mean, you can go back to 2012, basically, to now, and no continuity for yeah. any Texas kids at any aspect. If you're talking new OCs to new DCs to – this is the first time and we were wondering this offseason, oh, well, will Beck be back for next year? And there was that chance that there wouldn't be continuity, but it looks like everything – is sealed up and you're good to go and now like you said not only does Harmon now have these players more than say they were Charlie's guys they're his guys and now he's in two full years and you get to start up on that year three and that's continuity and now these kids I mean I know it seems like it may be not as integral to success but I really think it is that when you know what's there you're showing up you're confident you aren't literally having to wipe the floor clean and start something new and learn something you can't build a that I mean look at the continuity uh, if you're talking when you said underdog it made me laugh because how the Patriots it's not a lie if you believe it if you still are oh, the man. underdog and be, have yeah, that fuel right? your fire yeah. but like those guys have continuity for 18 years and there's a lot of continuity there it makes the process a lot easier than starting over the way the rest of the NFL has yeah. and if Texas can just get in that little stable area now you don't want to get comfortable but if you get comfortable that means you've won and that means you've had a lot of success so let Texas. Texas, get to that point. get Be successful. And then worry and see if you have a staff around for a, maybe a decade or so like Texas did the last time that they were really successful. No, I get,
2: that's a great point, yeah. Because Tom Herman has all, been all about you know alignment mm-hmm. and, and consistency his and, way and, and making sure they have now continuity. Now you're just showing
0: up to the next day to well, add on well instead now of Sam going Malinger and in, restarting. He
2: goes into the offseason. This is his first offseason. He's the quarterback. Mm, the no guy. competition. But also now I can practice with the wide receivers and all the concepts. I know the offense. We all know it. It ain't changing. I ain't got to go learn the verbiage and I was yep. No, no, no. We all know the offense. We can just go out there and get into the seven on seven and get better. I mean, I agree. That helps. It does. It's huge. No question. Confidence too. And Sam, that that's honestly that's Sam's offense right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's weird. You know it's. And I think Tom Herman likes it that way. By the way. It went from being Tim Beck's offense, which we all hated, by the way. <laughs> Tim Beck's offense, we hate Tim Beck's offense, all right? And by the way, Tim Beck's on a great job, but I think they've changed his role within that, that offensive uh, structure, right? I think they've changed his role there because I think Sam's taking more ownership of the offense, which taken, is taking less uh, accountability and responsibility away from Tim Beck. But Tim Beck still has a crucial role. And I think Tom Herman overall, for overseeing everything, and I think – He's calling plays a lot of the times, but we don't know. And he claims that it's a, a joint effort. So we'll respect Tom Herman. But you can see the way the offense did change over time. And I think that's Tom Herman's influence. Mm-hmm. And I think more than anybody, Sam Mellinger took ownership of the offense. You can see him starting to, you know, audible at the line of scrimmage at time and change plays. But more importantly, Tom Herman starts to build that offense around what Sam did well, period. And I think that was kind of the key.
1: Rod, it's interesting, though, because last year we talked about. The uh, identity of the Texas offense was Sam Ellinger, and that wasn't necessarily a good thing.
2: Yeah, it was a Sam Ellinger show, which ain't good because it didn't have any. There was no supporting cast. Supporting, it was like, where? Holy, yeah, it's great for you. Yeah, Seinfeld is great, he's the main man. But then there's George, and then Mm -hmm. there's Kramer, and then there's Elaine. You got all these people that step up, and and then sometimes the whole damn show's about George. Like, damn, George, he's awesome, he's great. But then, you know what? When Jerry had to be the man, Jerry was the man. So, my point was that it was the Sam Mellinger show led the team in rushing, led the team in in passing, but it wasn't like when Cole McCoy led the team in 08 in rushing and passing, you still had Quan Cosby. Showing up, and you still had Jordan Shipley. Oh, by the way, Chris you had a good game. So you had a supporting cast. Seems like last year, who was the supporting cast? You know what I mean? There were no supporting yeah, stars. It was like Sam Ellinger, and it was like, when not, Shane not is-
1: consistently anyway. Well, yeah, and yeah. this
2: year it was like, no, no, little Jordan Humphrey. Colin Johnson,
1: was Devin Duvernay get a little cameo here. And Trey, Watson, Trey Watson, yeah, well, Andrew
2: Beck here. Oh, Andrew Beck appearance, little cameo. You know, what I mean, like it was cool. I like that offense was an offense that was not so predictable last year. You were way too predictable because it all went through Sam. That just showed you Sam's ceiling too. Sam's a bad man,
1: no doubt. Um, speaking of Sam Elliott, we'll go finally go ahead and get to the quarterback discussion. So now we know what that room will look like this spring. So Casey Thompson is he in the portal? Is he out of the portal? Is he coming back? Is he leaving? <laughs> He's staying. It's official. He's on campus. He's out of the portal. So... Good on Casey Thompson oh, for man. making that decision. I was decision. just laughing
0: the first time oh, I read stressful. that some person entered a transfer portal. On the bottom line, it was like Kelly Bryant enters transfer portal. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I got it now. I know
2: who came up with the, the term because uh, they should get some props. It's like some transfer because apparently the NCAA does not call it a transfer portal; they call I'll, it a database. D- I,
1: that's what I called it too. When I, but I, you're being when, professional. When, We're when I did about the, being just like when urban I did the Cameron stuff. the Cameron Rising story, and I heard Cameron Rising <laughs> was going into the, the database, I said, oh, he's entering the NCAA transfer database, and it was like, he's going into the portal. it's the portal? I'm Right. He's going to the portal. This is a magical, it's, a, it's a
2: magical, mystical land. Mortal,
1: it's a mortal combat. <laughs> and and he really gets like, to return. Fighting in the portal. Or I know, whatever.
2: I know, Casey Thompson went into the portal and came back. back. He returned. He must tell his stories, the tales from <laughs> of the, portal, the portal, Casey Thompson. Yes, very uh, much. Yeah.
0: So it, <laughs> It's a boring day in a cleric's office, and here's it's like the paperwork. Bill
2: Excellent Adventure. Like, ah, That's what we <laughs> imagine, but it's
1: much more boring so, on the other end. So Casey Thompson is sticking around on the 40. Um Shane Bouchel looks like he's not. This is an interesting situation. It man. is, man. And this goes back to kind of what we talked about with Tom Herman and this team. And I've heard this from guys that played for Tom Herman at previous stops. Pretty much once you're one of his guys, once you kind of prove your worth, so to say, uh, he's like ride or die with you till the end. And I think we're going to see that with Shane Bouchelle because yep. – He's apparently told Shane Bouchel, hey man, if you want to work out in the offseason program, you're more than welcome to. Your family. Kind of whatever you need. Yeah. Your family, bro. Because Rod, you we talked we talk about this on the You right Unless your
0: family that it's all you, family. you fans People to come can to say to Texas. what they want about yeah. Shane
1: Bouchel. The bottom line is, you don't win 10 games and you're not in the Sugar Bowl without Shane Bouchel. Nope.
0: That's period. It's just that
2: simple. And then not to mention the year before that, when Shane Bouchelle also was very unselfish and understood having the quarterback competition. And, hey, and even a year before that, as a true freshman going out there, he's done so much for the University of Texas that I agree with Tom Herman Stance that, no, 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 you're family. I understand you need to move on, uh, but you've done enough for us. You, you've given me return on my investment. My investment in you was a scholarship to University of Texas. You've given me return on that investment anymore. We always do the bus rates, right? My mm-hmm. man Matt came up with the bus rate numbers. Uh, and basically, we found out that some guys that are the total of the bus rate. They give you no return on your investment. You give them a scholarship, and all they do is my man Brian Jones say, they eat chicken fried steak and they drink Gatorade. That's it, all right? They didn't they, they give you a damn thing. Uh, guys like Shane Bouchel, no, he's not going to finish his eligibility here at Texas. And no, he didn't end up, you know, winning, you know, 10 games for you as a multiple year starter. But man, his contribution is significant and almost it's almost hard to quantify it. Because where Texas wasn't a quarterback hell. He mm-hmm. helped you, he helped you get out of quarterback hell. Yep. You were in quarterback hell, man, where it was like and not nothing against the players who were, you know, in, in that in that situation, that circumstance, but Texas couldn't get out of that quicksand, man. They were just struggling. Every time they thought they were, they found the guy, it wasn't the guy. And Shane Bouchot gave you some stability. He gave you one full year of one starting quarterback. Now, yes they had they needed the 18 wheeler package to go win games so you still needed two quarterbacks but you hadn't had that kind of stability and consistency at the quarterback position in years and that allowed you to come in and look at a young Sam Ellinger and go okay okay i don't have to just throw him in as a true freshman we actually can you know we can balance this thing we can you know we can work with Shane here and work with Sam here we know Sam's the future but Shane's right now and then, boom, in 2018, oh, Sam's the guy. But, man, Sam has a style of play that is very risque, and he might miss a couple of games. We're going to need a quality backup. And then Shane gave you that. Shane gave you everything you needed to fix the quarterback position. You could argue that he's the reason that Texas is no longer in quarterback hell, yeah. that it was him alone. Yeah. So, yeah, let the man do what he wants to do. Respect, Shane. Respect, brother. You're family, man, always. Lifetime home. Uh,
1: so... Thank you for that, Rod. Now, I've got right, a I pe- right. No, I've got a piece up on the site uh, on Shane Bouchel, kind of my Shane Bouchelle appreciation article, echoing uh, yeah. some of the same things you yeah. said, Rod. Uh, Rod, Matt, both of you guys, thoughts on Casey Thompson leaving? And Rod, this is really where you look at it. Yo, Casey Thompson, I got Casey Thompson, Cameron Rising transfers to Utah. Casey Thompson's coming back, so you got three scholarship quarterbacks in Can I ask the spring. You
2: real quick about the Utah thing, Go he sits it. out, of course, right? Do you yes. know that quarterback situation? Was it just like it? Was it just obvious he sits out one year and he's probably going to start, or is he still competing once? Um,
1: he'll compete with kid Jason Shelley, who's a Texas kid out of out of Frisco area. What's um, he? What's his classification? now? I think, think Jason Shelley. Is, I think he's a soft retro freshman.
2: I know, so it's kind of weird. So I guess he figured. Okay, my thing is this. So he basically looked at Sam and went, "Okay, I could compete. i can try to compete with that guy for the next <laughs> two years." And then looked at another guy who's probably similar. He's going to be there for one or two years, and go, "I got to compete with that guy." You know what? I'm that. choosing to compete with this other guy because Sam looks like he's the real. I'm going to, to Utah. That's a, that's a cul- Exactly. That's a cul- and he's going back to the West Coast too. Yeah, uh, I think it's a compliment to Sam. Like, Pac- oh no,
1: Pac-12 region, if you will.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the West West coasting.
1: Uh, anyway, but, sorry, I to interrupt No, you. no, no. So, but, Rod, we talked about this too. Matt, I'll get your thoughts as well. Uh, in this day and age where we're talking about the portal and, and really what the, what the transfer portal has done is it's made kind of the seedy underbelly of the transfer process just kind of out there for everybody to see. I, I, I have I, made it akin to like the... Uh, you know the early '90s steroid scandal in in professional wrestling. You're like, oh my gosh, pro wrestlers are using steroids. Like, well, y'all haven't known this for like the last <laughs> twenty years. Like, yeah, yeah, like what? It's just out and everybody knows it now. Have you um, looked at any of them? Right. So, <laughs> like, Ultimate Warrior. Look at it. Okay.
0: Scott Steiner. Is like,
1: <laughs> so uh, no, but uh, it just kind of opens it up. So I don't think it's really changed the game all that much. What it has changed is now it's really made you kind of. It's really put the power the power in the hands of the players. Exactly and as a right. coach, it's made you look at your quarterback room differently. Yep. So, Rod, I say all that to say, if you're Tom Herman, you know you've got QB1, and you've got two guys battling for your backup job in the spring, that's a best-case scenario right now.
2: Uh, I agree with you. Yeah, I, and I think Tom Herman, he reiterated something like that. He talked to Craig Way at halftime of the Texas-Oklahoma basketball game. Um, and I think they were there for the recruits and everything. And he said, basically, we got to start looking at, and I'm paraphrasing, looking at the quarterback position differently than we used to. We're not going to be able to keep, you know, four scholarship quarterbacks and keep all of them and, and develop one guy and then keep another guy to battle for the backup position and then uh, another starting quarterback. He said, we got to start looking at it differently. And I totally agree. And we talked about this too, Jeff. Basically, you got to look at your quarterback position now if you're in, in, in college football now with, there's your starting quarterback position all right then there's your your backup quarterback position where you can look at that to feel that any which way you want to you're probably not going to be get a get a graduate transfer to be your backup quarterback because they want to play right away but you still have to find a young quarterback who doesn't have a five-star ceiling, but he's willing to wait and be patient behind whoever the starter is. So that's a circumstantial yeah. right, situation there. You know what I mean? Like, all right, so if my quarterback's a senior, ooh, I may be able to bring in, you know what I mean, a young stud at mm-hmm. my backup and then develop him and he'll be ready to go next year. Uh, then you got the the third string quarterback, which now, in my opinion, because of the graduate transfer market, any of your first two quarterbacks can leave. You got to be thinking about that as an he's asset basically now. your
0: backup now. He, yeah, your you have st- to have yeah. two starters and then you have a backup.
2: Yeah, so it it just it changes everything, man. It reprioritizes the way you look at the quarterback position, and um, and Texas won't utilize a lot of graduate transfers uh, from the quarterback position like Oklahoma does. So they're going to use more homegrown quarterback prospects, which I honestly kind of makes their job a lot tougher these days yeah. because that transfer portal is just another uh, its another asset for coaches like Lincoln Riley to bring in quarterback talent. And Texas won't use it. And not, not that it's a bad thing, but it's just not in – it's not their style, I should say, right? It is Texas is doesn't strike me as the sign. The is going to bring in a graduate transfer quarterback. They could. They could. But I don't
0: see on that right now. Yeah, yeah if, could. say, a Jalen Hurts chose you randomly one year, it's like a uh, gr- graduate transfer just sort of has but to I be – We're going to find a, a quarterback that's leaving out from a school. I'm going to find a spot to land. That's just going to be a coincidental thing. Like, you can't prepare for that. That's just at the end of a year. If you have your outgoing senior, well, we can start a freshman or we're going to see who. Is possibly, I out guess, there. you can get a guy that transfers the five stars and says, I will
2: sit out a year if your starting quarterback is like a junior or something, or gonna be a senior. Yeah, sit out a year and then say, Hey, I'm, I'll expect to compete in a year. A or legit two. transfer, yeah, like, a if, legit you know, transfer. grad
1: transfers yeah. is gonna be one of those deals where those guys want to come in with a chance to compete. So, yeah. I mean, I guess you could have a grad transfer who maybe he just grew up a texas fan and the chance to play at texas like yeah. hey man i'll sit behind sam ellinger and I, I know you know his style maybe i'll have a chance to be the guy but i, I want to get a degree yeah, from texas yeah that's, that's asking mean, a lot yeah that's, maybe it's wishful thinking right there but as yeah. you pointed
2: out and you brought this up on the show the preferred walk on now.
1: Yeah, that was going to be the point. I was going to okay, kind of yeah, well, wrap part of the ahead, conversation. Up with, yeah. You know, typically it used to be. Uh, you know, you think about Te- and Texas has done this. You know, I think of a guy like Jalen Overstreet or whoever that second quarterback take was in a class. I did not think we we're making a Jalen Overstreet yeah. reference on this show today. But you basically you take a developmental guy and say, okay, yeah, we'll stash him away and work with him and. Uh, You know, maybe kind of like what I think the previous staff was thinking of with a guy like Matthew Matthew Merrick. Merrick. Like maybe we'll take him. He's an athletic guy. Maybe we'll take him. And and down the road, maybe his ceiling is, you know, being our backup quarterback. But now, right in this scholarship era that you're in, you don't have that luxury anymore to do that. Um, Those guys are going to transfer. And, I mean, honestly, and especially we talked about this program being Tom Hermans, but you're in a position still where you're still building this thing and you can't afford to waste any of those 85 scholarships. So, really, your developmental quarterback now is probably going to have to come from your preferred walk-on program. And you get a guy, yeah. a local kid, like Sam Saxton, who's a legacy kid, uh, had, had legitimate offers at other places, uh, a kid that, again, a kid that just really to wants to, to be at Texas yeah. and doesn't mind, you know, hey, I'll be the practice squad guy or whatever, yeah. maybe that's the kid that two or three years from now He's your backup quarterback, and maybe he's the mm-hmm. guy that gets you through a game, or yeah. or something like that, in the event of injury. But man, that will, you you really you've really got to. And Tom Herman talked about looking at it differently. That's part of looking at it differently. You've got to look at all avenues of okay, how can we make sure that we're constantly, consistently building depth, given really the restrictions that you have now. Like I said, because it is in the powers in the hands of the players now.
2: Yeah, I mean the truth is you're gonna deal with this every year. So you got to basically. Uh, Assume that the quarterback that is not playing is unhappy and wants to leave. Right. That's your best way to approach quarterback if you're Tom Herman. Assume that every quarterback that's not Sam Ellinger wants out. Mm-hmm. And then approach the quarterback position that way. And I know it sounds like that's kind of irresponsible. It almost sounds like, you know, so you're, like, oh, so you're going to bring in more quarterbacks to try to counter the fact that quarterbacks are leaving. But it's they only want to cause them, no them more to leave. Yeah, it's almost like fighting fire with fire. Like, yeah, I mean, that they are. They call control burns. They do actually fight fire with fire. You have to do it at times. And I think this is a situation where you have to do this. It. It's almost like what they say, you, you inoculate yourself with the virus to mm-hmm. prevent yourself from getting the virus. That's a vaccine. That's what you got to do with quarterbacks now, man. It sounds counterproductive, but it actually isn't. You just got to stockpile them, keep bringing them in, because they're going to keep leaving regardless. Yeah can't stop that. And, can't I mean, stop that.
0: And that's the point of that you're going to have to continue to stockpile. Like you said, it may continue to feed the transfer, but that's just the world we're in right now to where the kid's going to end up going that you can't be left without one. He goes in transfer portal like Casey Thompson, and I love that Tom Herman did it. because, And you're right, Jeff. I heard people mentioning this, and you
2: brought it up when we first came on the show maybe on like a month ago and talked about <laughs> the transfer portal. You said they actually can take the scholarship. Of the young man, once you enter the transfer portal, they can choose. I think it's either to not to renew your scholarship or to just, I don't know if they can take it. I think maybe not to renew it. Not to renew it. Not to renew it. If they want. Exactly. Either Mm -hmm. way, you won't be on scholarship anymore. Mm -hmm. And Tom Herman didn't do that. He's like, no, no, no. You're good. Like Go on the transfer portal. Do your thing. Come on back here. And you almost have to... You have to change the way you view competition at quarterback, too. Like Some people may want to, pet in a petty way, hold that against a young man. Oh, you want to go to mm-hmm. transfer portal? You're not loyal? I'm taking your scholarship. Well, that's just only hurting you. Yeah. You're just losing Little quarterback. Player you can him away. enter the portal and come back. Yeah. So you almost have to allow them the flexibility. It's like, if you love them, let them go, and they'll return. It's that kind of thing. Like So if you like that quarterback, hey, let him enter the transfer portal, and then he can come back to you. So, man, it's so weird the way you have to approach it. Back yeah. in the day, you know, kids would have got their scholarship. I, I, you know, I wonder if Mac Brown would have pulled a kid's scholarship for going to transfer a portal because Mack was big on loyalty.
0: Yeah. And well, was I was big just,
2: on loyalty, man. He was like, hey, remember, he didn't even like guys to see, go take other visits. No. He's like, when you commit to me, once you're we commit committed. to one another, we're committed. Don't be talking to other schools. Don't be going. And I I respected it, but I wonder in this day and it's age, foreign would now. Mac decide, hey, if you go in the transfer portal, I'm taking your scholarship. I'm not renewing it because you, you're not loyal.
1: Well, he's living better, in North Carolina yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I
2: guess he will. We will see. We'll get the, the new to of how, would, how the
1: world. If you're going to do that, you better have a hell of a lot of leverage. Like, you
2: can't do it. Nobody can do that anymore. You almost have nope. to treat the quarterback position like like the NFL trees, they got their own quarterback club. Because if it's a wide receiver, did I bet they take the wide receiver scholarship. Like, oh, uh, I mean, because I think McCleskey, is it McCleskey that did that at Oklahoma State?
0: Oh, uh, I'm not sure.
2: Uh, McCleskey- did they take McClesky scholarship? He, he's not with Oklahoma State. Before. No, no, no. He, but remember, uh, Gundy came out publicly and was upset about it. He yeah. was like, I can't believe this is happening. Nobody you know, right. he came out basically was very upset. Because McCluskey
1: was one of the guys that, and this is what, where the first step of this that we saw. McCluskey really was. was one of those guys that played in four games like, you know what? I'm going to redshirt and transfer.
2: He did yeah. it himself. He yeah. actually he actually invoked
1: his, he invoked
2: his own redshirt, which is like. I hadn't
1: a, heard that verbiage, and I was like, that's, that's awesome. Rights.
2: It was. Yes, yeah, so cool. what he did. And honestly, yeah, it was smart and then Gundy didn't like it. so I don't know if Gundy took the scholarship or didn't renew it, but I know Gundy was uh out he was outspokenly upset about
0: it. Yeah, it just fits Gundy's personality. It does, that's yeah, true. But quite outspoken. And is, yeah. it, I didn't even really realize till we got in this conversation, but the aspect that with the teams can't or when the coach can pull the transfer, pull the scholarship from you, you're gonna have some coaches use the this to affect their numbers to make it actually advantageous. So it'll be interesting to see how they do yeah. it because yeah, if you convince Kid to go in the portal and then take a scholarship. That would be just totally brutal. I
2: think that's what I bet. I bet if we looked at, I bet skill position guys are getting their scholarships or at least not getting them renewed. But I bet quarterbacks is like, no, 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 you can go. If you want to come back, please do. If you yeah. want to go, go. Because it's quarterback, is so, I mean, it's just a special position, right? Yeah. Just not a lot of them out there.
0: Yep, and uh, I looked it up while since you brought it up earlier about Texas. This may be the first year that Texas is favored in all games. And Texas was in 09 favored over Oklahoma by three points. Were, so okay. it was in 09 09 that all games time. were favored. And then I didn't realize till looking at this list of Texas-Oklahoma until the Big 12 championship, Texas had covered against the spread six consecutive games against Oklahoma. You would have not thunk Damn. that. All of the Charlie Ooh. Era and Tom Oh, Herman. Until the Big 12 title game this year. Yeah, until the wow. Big
2: 12 wow. so title they, they barely
0: didn't the cover. Years. They be- almost covered that game. They were within a field goal, but the last six, all the yeah. way back to. Yeah, Matt, that, uh, that 2015
1: That's one, wrong. Charlie, the year Charlie got the it win over yeah. OU, mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't it like a like a 15 point spread or something? And a half. 16 and a half. Because yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. there was yeah. the record setting one, was the, the first 20, one. 2013 with Case McCoy was 13 and a half. And then it right? was. Twenty one something, I thought. A well, if fin- like, this is final line finishing uh, okay. at sixteen. I won't say that sixty one started at twenty something. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there like was 21.
2: a It was like three touchdowns. I, I, w- I would be
0: blown away by that. But it, it's I think, thir- right, I think right. there was, it, some was right. it was a big number. That was some misreporting, I believe, on okay. that one, because these are pretty good. It was we just talking, we 16 about fake and
1: news and a on the FIPO lines. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Cause there's one standardized FIPO line. But, uh, yeah, so it's pretty crazy to see that cover three times as a 13 and a half, 16 and a, half, and 13 and a half in 2013, 15 and 16 and covered all of them.
1: So now gentlemen, as as we kinda of wrap things up, I mean it's just interesting to look at um, you know, now you start looking at this team, what what it's gonna look like this spring. Yeah. Rod, I know we're sitting here, you know, winter conditioning as we sit here right now hasn't started yet, but uh, I just want to kind of get a couple news notes nuggets-type things out of the way uh, and then let you guys kind of riff on some spring football stuff before we get out of here. But on the injury front, so Sam Ellinger's injured shoulder, we talked a lot about Sam on the show this week. Uh, Tom Herman said that's not going to need surgery. He got a steroid shot recently. Uh, and It sounds like that's really all he's going to need for that shoulder just – some rest and some time off and and he'll be good to go. Colin Johnson had his knee scoped, but you guys know how knee scopes work now. I mean, just go in there, get a little bit of stuff cleaned up and that's a couple weeks off and then you're ready to go. Doesn't sound like anybody else is going to need off season surgery, which is good. You do have guys though, coming back from surgeries, Malcolm Epps with the collarbone, Josh Moore, I think his was also collarbone, clavicle area, Uh, Marquez Bimmons with the shoulder, Uh, a couple of different guys. Interesting. notes on Some guys we haven't heard from in a while. Um, Based on everything I've heard, it sounds like Patrick Hudson's gonna give football another shot after his heat related oh, illness nice. yeah. kind of knocked nice him, him out early in the season. So, it sounds like he's gonna he's been with the team, but it sounds like he's gonna give uh, football another shot. So, and, and Rod, one of the one of the uh, I don't know what what you want to say, but one of the expectations I guess that, mm-hmm. that I heard for him that maybe internally right now is um, I heard this from a source recently. Said we we think he can at some point be solid, be a solid mm-hmm. contributor. Hey, that's good. You depth? You mean somebody I can rotate in? Yeah. That's
2: cool. I'll take that. That's
1: For a, an interior line spot? Yeah, yeah, I'll
2: take that, man. I'll take depth. If you need that. No no question about it. So, yeah, that's a good thing.
1: Uh, and then Kyle Porter doesn't sound like Kyle Porter's made a firm decision on whether he's going to stay, whether he's going to grad transfer, what he's going to do. Oh. Um, Man, I almost forgot about Kyle Porter. Yeah, that's crazy. I forgot about him too. To and Carter's transfer. Daniel right Carter's at now. Sam Houston he's State. Done. Yeah, he's done. Um, uh,
2: yeah, I, I think Kyle Porter should go because he's not going to see the field again. I mean, they're recruiting past all those mm-hmm. guys at running back now. I mean, Keontae Ingram is the only one that's going to survive. You know, what I mean, in my opinion, can, sh- can, can I, I play? Survive. Can I play Devil's Advocate here? You want to go Daniel Young, Don't you? You love Daniel Young? No, no, no. I'm not. I <laughs> wasn't
1: going to bring up Daniel Young if you want to talk Daniel Young. No, but with Kyle Porter, I mean. Do you at least feel good because he's got that option that we thought Shane Bouchelle had, where Kyle Porter could technically stay at Texas another year, and true. then you know transfer with a year of eligibility left. Point. Yeah. Um, if you're Kyle Porter, knowing that. You know they didn't recruit a running back in this recruiting class, and it doesn't sound like they're going to. Yeah. It sounds like their option in running for running back depths is to maybe give Jordan Whittington a look there this spring That's and see what he idea. can do. Mm-hmm. So if nothing else, Rod, for depth purposes, I mean, okay, I feel, is I it the worst thing in the world if Kyle Porter comes no, back? No, I know, no. I, and I, don't want to mean I don't want right. to you know demean uh, a kid who's going to get his degree no, and is going to be a, a Letterman and a T. Ring winner on a Forty Acres. But um I know how Texas fans feel about Kyle Porter. But like I said, from the depth standpoint. They're they're they've been in worse shape at running back. That's a good point. No no no. And when you break it down that way and bring up the
2: depth, the fact they really don't even have a, a backup running back right now. This is true. Yeah, I they agree. really don't. I they mean, really don't have. Well, they ha, They don't. That's a, comp, well, a competition for it. And he probably who knows he could win it. I mean, I don't know. So there's still a
0: chance, is what you're saying. Because Danny Young basically yeah.
1: became like a goal line fullback.
0: Yeah, yep. And he's a situational we, guy for them. Yeah. yeah. And I think what we saw. And when
1: Sam Ellinger's your quarterback in the running game, sorry Matt, That's but you right. don't really need a goal line red zone runner. Yeah. No. <laughs> Because well, your quarterback, you your quarterback That's does that it, better than is, anybody in the country. Does, put an extra lineman, and <laughs> where the transfer
0: markets are, and grad transfer abilities of players, and the you know running back That's is true. one position where you, you really uh, can almost interchange people. And also, like if you have a good college guy that maybe isn't going to have a good shot of the league, but can transfer to Texas for That's a true. fifth year, the way Trey Watson was, it's just sort of uh, at the end of the year manufacture okay, not waste a spot for top end talent, which a scholarship does, but a grad transfer to fill a hole we can. Always look for that.
1: I no, think that's right. well, that's a conversation though the coaches would have with Kyle Porter and say, "Look, anybody we'd bring in, and, and look, there might be a chance any any grad transfer you could bring in might not be as good as what you think Kyle Porter brings to the table." Yep, um, it just might, it just it just yeah, might not be a good for market sure. for grad transfer because he's right? no, sort no, yeah, of you what are. you'd be looking for when you're getting <laughs> somebody much. to transfer in. Yeah. You know,
0: I don't doubt that. Okay, so don't
1: you know, like I said, there, I'm not saying like Kyle Porter coming back is going to change the. Makeup of the running back room, but it's it's interesting to think but about. But like I said, probably two
2: years ago before Keontae Ingram got in, that is the least talented position on the forty acres, and it has been for like three years. And I think it probably still is. This. Yeah, well, that's where it's going go I mean? like, so, like, yeah, like, so, to kind
1: of go for spring. Like what? What? Like what position group needs to have a big winner in terms of winter conditioning? Yeah. I mean, I, I just I don't yeah. I don't know what the ceiling is for this running back group. I mean, yeah. I think I like Keontae. We all love Keontae Ingram, but man. But that's
2: all you really love out of that room right
1: now. You're you're really forced right now for the staff to kind of put all your eggs in his basket. You really yeah, don't have and, any other
2: options. And that shouldn't be the case. There should be a plan B. And you're saying if you're if you're if you're uh, Kyle Porter, you're looking at and going, I might be plan B. Like yeah, might, if really. I play this thing right and I get on, you know, get in the mm-hmm. right situation, I could be plan B. So mm-hmm. yeah, some I mean, weird
1: money got. ball mix of like Danny Young, Kyle Porter, Jordan Whittington might be your backup running. I think bat. Jordan Whittington's.
2: Ex- I think he's a he's awesome though. I mean, I think once if he gets in there and. <laughs> And I think he could impress him enough to go, oh, that guy's our backup. He reminded me of what I saw. <laughs> you know what I mean? like he's, he's a compliment to Cam Ingram. He could be our version of what Georgia does with two running backs. Like We could do that.
0: Yeah. And like <laughs> like when he's I, that good. When I saw him just for a tiny couple know, games, that him. he looked exactly like the Maryland freshman, the Jones kid that was running all the jet sweeps against Sean Texas. And, yeah. 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 And, and the he could be thing that State. State. That's yeah.
2: what I like him as. That's I like what I saw him. I was like,
0: that's a clone of that dude.
2: Did they call him, as him the
1: H? The H, yeah. but could
2: be the H, dude. Jake Smith, too. I've
1: heard he's going to get a, a look at at being a running back.
2: He should. I, lo- I, I love him. Man. I love him and Jake Smith. I think both of those guys are going to be awesome. Well, and then the just think about
0: added position versatility. He can be a running back or a slot receiver. Like, that's literally what you need like to have the, to fill it the, in. What's the Jalen
1: Hurd? Is that the from A Little baby? Jordan. Yeah,
2: yeah he kind of, I mean, that's he's got that kind of skill. I don't know if he's as
1: tall. I mean, maybe he is. I don't know. I mean, Hurds was, was a running back foot, Like Jalen Hurds, like 6'3". Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. six He was like, a wider Jalen Hurds is more like back he's more like Little Jordan <laughs> Humphrey. are yeah. being honest, he
2: yeah. is. And they put him in the backfield. And yeah, he was Little the... Jordan Humphrey
0: actually. And yeah. that's yeah. was Butch Jones was starting that guy over Alvin Kamara at running back at Tennessee. Man, man that dude's a beast. <laughs>
2: hey, yeah, some NFL team's gonna get lucky. They gonna they gonna you know what's gonna be freaking Sean McVay. I bet gonna get him, in. you are gonna get him.
1: Real quick before we kind of wrap this up. You know, this was uh, reported by uh, Taylor Estes and Horns 24-7. We did an open records request, uh, got the information that the guys who submitted for feedback to the NFL College Advisory Committee, Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Malcolm Roach, Brandon Jones, all got grades that advised them to stay in school. you surprised by any of that, Rod? Um no,
2: I'm not surprised by that because the NFL is basically first round, second round, or go back to school. Right. Yeah, they're conservative and on it. Patrick Mahomes had a second round grade, so these guys are very conservative. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I almost don't and trust it, them. It was pretty obvious that like, oh, Patrick Mahomes going to be a first round pick, so they're very conservative about yeah. you
1: know the way they. they <laughs> but they're you know, old that's NFL a smart guy. Thing to
2: Do because I think they will be open to liability issues uh-huh. if they were, were over. Estimating guys. Oh,
1: you're a first round pick and you go in the third round. Yeah, you
2: know what I mean? So they're like, no, 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 no. He's the first. Whatever grade we have from him, let's drop that down one more round. We're giving you your worst case. In case case something happens. Yes, exactly. So I think Mm -hmm. most of these guys could be second, but they're like, no, no, no. Let's say if they could be second, that means they can go fourth round too. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Anybody got anything else before we wrap this up? Um, No, I think we covered everything. Next week, I I want to start getting a little more spring ball type stuff and we'll we'll pick up that running back conversation because I don't think there's a question that running back probably is your most talent-deficient position in the program right now.
2: And, yeah, and how can you compensate for that lack of talent with other positions, and how is the offense going to look? I, I think I know exactly how the offense is going to look, or at least how they want it to look.
1: Because you know I, I, mean? I don't think linebacker is talent-deficient. I just think you've got some question marks there. Hmm. Well, you got some unproven guys, yeah, I don't you're right. think you're that's talent a good deficient I think it's unproven linebacker. at the linebacker position.
2: Yeah. I think running back, you literally are bereft of talent. Like, like if you lose Keontae Ingram you got nothing there. Yeah, Mm. Yeah, which is why Jordan Whittington, yeah, I agree with him taking snaps there.
1: All right. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod We appreciate the time and the knowledge.
2: Anytime, brother, anytime.
1: For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer at the podcast game, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and The Horn, 104.9-1019-AM1260, streaming on The Horn App and at hornfm.com, where you can get this show each and every week and – you get Rod on the Rodcast each and every week, different from one to three. Same as look. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.